the DC experiment. Well, we're back at the DC experiment, and uh, Dennis is gone because it's his birthday, and his wife has got him take a little surprise and took him out of town. And so I'm sitting here uh, solo casting, kind of, and Dennis did not want that to happen, which was funny because he gave me a nasty look, and he, he's like, no, let's do two on Wednesday if we have the time. And uh, we did not have the time, so we did a quick little intro, and Kimberly was originally going to read something, but she doesn't have that. <laughs> so, Dennis, here you go. This one is for you. Um, happy birthday, by the way, Dennis. But the uh, funny thing is, I'm not solo casting. <clears throat> Today, I have my dad with me, and uh, he came up from Sheridan to celebrate my kids' birthdays, because they're... We're about a week ago, and so we've got my kids and Dennis and everybody having birthdays this month. But I wanted to talk about uh, a couple things. I wanted to talk about the craziness that's happening in Texas with the rolling blackouts. And uh, I have family that live in Texas, my father-in-law and mother-in-law. One lives in Bandera and one lives in uh, North Houston. And I've got a buddy who lives in between uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, and I called him and talked to him this week. And uh, uh, that was pretty interesting, so I'll tell you about that. But the second thing I wanted to talk about, too, and we'll, we can kind of talk about that this first, and I'll get your take on it, Dad, yeah. is uh, Rush Limbaugh passing away this week. Yeah, that that I I, I didn't ever li- I wasn't like a faithful Rush Limbaugh listener, so I'm, I wasn't like listening to him every day. But like I told you, uh, when I heard the news that he had passed away, I was really sad because he was a constant. You know, he brought consistency into the world, and he was always there. And I can remember growing up in the, uh, you know, 90s, uh, going to school, you know, early 90s, 1991, 92, being 10, 12 years old, and uh, hearing his voice in the background, like uh, at uh, my principal, you know, uh, listening to him in the background, and I was reading my books, and I'd hear Rush uh, in the background, hear his voice, and uh, and he, basically, he was with me in that voice, you know, all along growing up. And when I moved to Texas, uh, when I was totally out of my element, when Jonathan was born and in this huge city, I would I would purposely turn and listen to Rush just to hear the sound of his voice, not necessarily all the things he was saying, but just to hear the sound of his voice because it brought that sound of home to me you know, from Wyoming, and it brought me there, so I f- still felt connected because I knew you were probably listening to it, I was listening to it, and uh, it brought a sense of stability and comfort when I was way out of my comfort zone. And uh, when he died, that I was sad. I was sad to hear him go, just 70, young guy. 
Well, Rush was an icon, and he made things clear. Uh, he would take a subject, everybody else clouded it, he made it clear, and uh, he could do that. He had a talent, he had a skill, but he was himself, he was an icon. The problem is, I don't think he can really be replaced very easy. I don't, I perhaps there is someone there that can do it, but uh, I think it's sad because when somebody like that goes, it is the end of a end of a chapter. Yeah, and he definitely end of an era, right? And he definitely was able to influence people, give people hope, and and really define what was taking place. I think he had a large impact upon the nation, upon people. Uh, uh, not many of us can say that. Yeah, well, I think he brought a sense of calm and stability. Like, you know, he would tell people, don't freak out too bad. You know, I've seen things worse, but uh, let's, you know, be aware of what's going on. And and uh, and he just was constant. Right. It was just a constant. And his humor, you know, he would laugh at things. He'd poke fun at things. He'd put those little montages of... <laughs> Of the different things, and that that was great, and uh, it it just kind of compound uh, compiled compounded with uh, emotions that I've been struggling with. And I was going to ask you about this, Dad. Is how do you maintain? Man, things just feel really dark right now. Things just feel really down. Yeah. Um. You know, people are losing their jobs. The stuff in Texas happened where people are out of power, they're out of water, out of food, car accidents. And then, um, you know, if you're conservative, you're probably not happy with the outcome of the election and you feel like, well, the Keystone Pipeline closed down and people are losing their jobs. And then you hear all this uncertainty of COVID-19 and uh, do we continue lockdowns? Do we continue masks? 2020 was really hard and depressing for a lot of people. And then you know, kind of one of those constant voices that that did kind of try to encourage people. Not always. You know, Rush wasn't always said the best things, but he was that constant. And then it just feels like another blow, kind of. Like to see him go, you've got the COVID-19 stuff. There's just a lot of fear. There's a lot of downness. And I felt myself just really down this whole week. Well, this half week. And bummed, and I, I'm like, how do you keep pushing forward? How do you well see the positive when things seem so negative? Somebody like myself, being 70, almost 70 years old myself, you look back at the bumps that have taken place uh, even years ago. Uh, I can remember John F. Kennedy being shot. Uh, uh, and the tone that that set. And I think there's so many things that are setting a tone today. People really don't know exactly where they're going, uh, what's in the future. Uh, they don't know who to trust. They have a lot of voices out there. Uh, you have a media that is competing for your attention. And I believe one of the goals I read about 
uh, Facebook. The uh, goal there uh, uh, was to take as much attention and time from you as you could humanly spare. And I think we have come to a point in this nation where we've been listening to voices, but, and of course, I'm a pastor, so I listen to one voice, uh, and I know that God has a providence, and he's in charge. Uh, the scripture tells me that he's in charge, and that uh, he takes kings down, and he sets them up, but I do know this, uh, the hope that you have has to be in in him in christ and where else can you place it uh, if you place it upon a human being if you place it upon an icon of some kind as you just notice our icons can pass away uh -huh. and people can go away and ideas go with them and so uh i have to be selective in which news I listen to and which voice I listen to. And I have to stay in connection uh, with the Scripture. Uh, I know that I know Christ as personal Lord and Savior, so I know where I need to be. Uh, I need that truth. Uh, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, so this this is what I need to seek. So you come to a point in your life where you say, wait a minute, um, uh, actually, I think it's so easy to be upset, to be downtrodden, to be depressed, to be angry, um, and you can't really live that way. You've got to turn these, do the best that you can. Uh, as an American citizen, uh, we still need to uh, be able to support organizations that support the Constitution of the United States to keep our freedom, to keep our values. But we need connection spiritually. We need connection uh, just for good things, uh, wholesome things, family. Uh, we garden. We need that connection with the ground and and the plants, and the animals, and uh, the canning. And we need to know that we have that connection and that we're able to survive uh, some of these things too. So, But spiritual preparation is really, really important. Um, mental uh, stewardship, I have got to shut some voices down and and listen to the proper voice and listen to positive people it makes a real difference in your life who you're listening to well i've i've do. said that this is all spiritual warfare you know we don't fight against the flesh and blood or principal you know principalities it's it's spiritual i think what's happening right now is spiritual there's a spiritual oppression that's starting to come over the nation and I'm struggling with keeping joy. Like, I almost feel ashamed sometimes because I know that the Bible says, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But I'm not feeling much joy. 
and I'm just going, you know, working day in, day out, paying bills. The uncertainty of this uh, uh, world with the COVID stuff, you know, my oldest son's got a surgery coming up here, uh, and uh, there's uncertainty with that. And then, like, these, you, you take for granted these little things, and not that Rush Limbaugh is a little thing, but, you know, he's, I don't want to put him up, you know, on this huge high pedestal, but like I said, it was one of those things that was always constant. And so when you've got issues like me with my son having surgery and you got COVID, it was just another thing of constant that was taken away. And so I tried to like, I'm supposed to have joy because I know the Lord in my heart and I'm just not feeling joy. And what does that mean about me? Or is there something wrong with me that I'm not feeling the joy of the Lord and because uh, I feel tired and worn out and beat down and day after day after day and always dealing with work issues, family issues, children issues, special needs issues. And you're just like, man, at the end of the day, I'm tired, I'm worn out. And the things that are constant seem to be slowly being chipped away or eroded away and rushed just as another chip, just of the stability just taken away. And I'm just like... Where's my joy, and why don't I have it? Well, have you had that issue? Do you struggle with that? I think everybody, every human being in this on the globe right now, struggles uh, in and out with uh, being uh, a lot, having a lack of uh, joy. Uh, uh, we've dealt with some people in the last couple of weeks that things pop up. Um, perhaps heart surgery, perhaps. Uh, but we know that we have to deal with that on a day-by-day basis. But uh, it all determines uh, how strong uh, you are, I think, in, in the faith of the Lord. Uh, for example, is you remember the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Oh, I love that song. It is well, it is well with my soul. It's written by Mr. Stafford. Spatford, uh, <laughs> oh, it's funny Spatsford. that the older yeah. I get, the more emotional I get, which is funny. Yeah. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I watched a, a play. It was on YouTube. It was a video clip of this. Inter- it was a live show mm-hmm. of these actors, kind of a musical, singing It Is Well With My Soul, but acting out. And they had this narrator telling the story of this guy who, who went on this boat and lost his children at sea, yeah. and how he'd he, actually come to America, and must have been from England or Ireland or someplace there. He, he was uh, English uh, descent, I think, and uh, he'd actually been in America and sent for his wife and his daughters, and on the crossing. Uh, the boat had sunk. It uh, had run into problems, a storm, and uh, he was cabled uh, by a uh, rescue boat, uh, but he was cabled by his wife, and she said she was saved alone. Uh. Uh, The two daughters had been washed away, washed overboard, and I can imagine his grief. Yet... Uh, the strength that was that lied within him, the simple, basic uh, foundation uh, of knowing the Lord and knowing the providence of God, 
he wrote this song, It Is Well, When Peace Like a River. Uh, uh, how's that go, Caleb? When Peace Like a River. Uh, faileth my soul. Yeah, faileth uh, my soul something. And, and uh, when uh, sorrows like sea bellows roll. Yeah. Uh, he goes into the chorus. It's a beautiful song. It is well. It is well. Well, where does that come from? Uh, how can you reach down deep, uh, especially in this day and age? Uh, we're a technical age. Uh, we have lost a lot of uh, touch with, uh, well, I think with uh, just basic things, basic family, basic doing business together as a family. Um we have tremendous uh, population of single parents. God bless them. Uh, well, I think we're definitely them, a lot more isolated, and this whole COVID thing didn't help because they, they you help. don't like don't touch each other, don't hug each other, uh, just communicate through your screens, and it encouraged just isolating yourself and being on the screens. And we've already been more separated. Um, I was reading something the other day uh, talking about how the psychology of being on these screens all the time, we are losing how to interact with each other. Right. And like, it's almost awkward now. We can't have conversations. We don't know how to sit there and talk to each other. It's just like, okay, text me or whatever, email me, I'll, I'll tell with you later. And we don't even have the time to connect. And you were talking about that with me earlier, how like, in the olden days, people would sit out on the front porch yep. in the evening and talk with each other and uh, sit back, drink some lemonade and fellowship and share life. And now it's like all gone. The porches of the old houses were very, very important. Most everybody. My grandparents had porches. We would uh, travel back to Missouri, check out the uncles and the aunts. I had an aunt Errol and an uncle Pierce, just outstanding names. But I can remember sitting on a farm porch with all the uncles and aunts there, and they sit around and they visited. There's uh, a thousand lightning bugs flying around through the porch and uh, just a lot of activity going on there in the evening of talking about different things. Uh, about their lives and uh, encouragement and off in the distance would be a lightning storm uh, you know approaching and uh, but I remember uh, uh, the feeling I had as a child I was safe huh. I was happy I knew everything was gonna work out okay and we just don't have that today people are running so uh, hard Oh, and, and fast. Totally agree. The and, level of fear and the level of anxiety. Well, the stress level in people's lives and uh, just coming into Billings. I notice uh, businesses that were, the last time I was up here, were going, but they're not going anymore. Mm -hmm. And people have stress. And as a pastor, we try to help that stress by saying, okay, uh, what foundation have you built on? So let me ask you yeah. this. Let me ask you this. Do you struggle with maintaining joy when everything else seems pure chaotic? Like, do you question why certain things happen? Do you get ticked off when uh, <clears throat> things don't go your way? And how do you maintain your joy and keep a balance? Well, my joy doesn't really depend on what's going on. I know 
Uh, I get up in the mornings and uh, we make a fire, we have our coffee, uh, and we know that there's something out there that's probably coming one of these days. It could be uh, good or bad, but my joy doesn't depend on what the outside world does. It has to come from within me. If I haven't built on Christ, Christ says in the Bible that he is that cornerstone. Cornerstone being level and straight. You've got to build off of that. You've got to build on that foundation. And uh, so the joy, uh, yeah, it can get discouraging, but I feel this way. God has made a promise to the child, to the born-again child, that he'll take care of that child. And the promise there involves power, provision, purpose, and peace. God promises that there's a peace there. Even if the Christian is persecuted, there's still a peace there that passes all understanding. (laughs) I know, which is amazing to me. It blows me because I don't think I could... I don't know, like there's scripture where Paul gets taken to prison and he's just singing totally fine because he knows he's where he's supposed to be and God's using him to do well, whatever. And, 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 and here I am, like I'm worrying as a, as a husband and as a father, as a provider. I'm like, right. well, what if this happens? What if this happens? I, it's, I feel like it's my responsibility to provide for my children and to take care of them and to not let anybody down. And I'm stressed out right now. We got the surgery coming up and I'm like, well, sure. I can't fix it. I can't handle that. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to keep working and keep providing. And, and now I'm setting these financial goals for myself. If I can hit this financial goal, then we'll be safe and secure. But that's not true. You can't have your security in money or things or anything because, you know, the government could say, well, we're getting rid of the currencies. We're going to switch to something else. They're like, oh, okay, I, I have nothing. That, like we ha- The thing is, the harder you try to grasp something that's solid in this world, the more you realize that everything is like a vapor. Everything is is temporary, and you don't really own anything. <laughs> you really don't aren't in control of anything. That's it. You're out of control. I think we're all feeling out of control. Yeah, we live in a 3D world or a four-dimension world. Christ, if you study his uh, resurrection and all and what he did, uh, science has confirmed there's probably about 9 to 11 different dimensions of which uh, Christ obviously is in because he knows the future, he knows now, and he knows the past, and it's all the same to him. But the fact of the matter is we're very finite. We can't understand everything that's going on. We think our big problem is we have to be in control of everything, Mm -hmm. and the frank point of it is there are certain things that we can do, a steward, if you're a steward of your family, if you're a steward of your work, a steward, uh, what's required of a steward is to be found faithful. And uh, what the Bible's saying there, faithful in the Lord, faithful to the task and purpose that you've been appointed to upon this earth. But part of the joy comes from the fact that I know from a child, I was probably called to be a pastor. And I know what my purpose is. Many people live to 80, 90 years old and still don't know why they're here. That's me. I'm 40, and I still don't know why I'm here. But the fact of the matter is, uh, most of life is not in our control. Mm -hmm. We cannot play God. We cannot do things that uh, 
we think we can make everything good and work hard to make everything good. And the fact of the matter is there's so many things that are out of our control. But, and there's a big word that's in the Bible, but God has providence. If you read Daniel chapter 6, the lion's den, all that truth, uh, all the way through the Bible, God's always been and always will be in control. And even when you see things going on, like in our nation right now, uh, who can trust who? Mm -hmm. Who knows what uh, government's legitimate not? And so, but I have to build, I continually have to build on the foundation I know that is sure. I can't have put my joy in anything else or a philosophy or in these voices today. Uh, it all comes out what you've been uh, trusting and what foundation you've been building on. The way to test that is the fact that when a crisis comes, you figure out what you've been building on. Yeah, that's a great and, point, and, and because if, I think this is shaking up, everybody down right. to the foundation, and it's revealing what is your foundation. Right. Because, uh, you know, statistics show that suicide rates are mm -hmm. out of control right now, uh, mm -hmm. domestic abuse is out of control right now, like all of this pressure and stress and anxiety and fear of COVID and everything else that comes along with it is... It's causing people to feel completely out of control and afraid. Yeah. And it's shaking them down to their foundation, right. and well, it's not good. what I found is that nobody has all the answers. Mm -hmm. uh, even pastors uh, do not have all the answers. The Word of God does. But uh, pastors are people just like anybody else. And we have our downfallings. We can be ambushed. A hammer can fall on your head, and you can be ambushed, and you can respond, but uh, or you can react. And the key is, I've seen that happen. Yes, I've seen yes, a hammer fall off and hit you in the head, and I know. And you look at that hammer <laughs> as if it's a live entity of some sort, and you like <laughs> look at that hammer and like. Why did, did you do that to oh, me, yeah, Hammer? Why, why, what What have I ever done to why, you? Why did you do that? But, I've used you for nothing but uh, great, positive, building uh, things. And here you fall and hit me on the head. How dare you? As a matter of fact, I'm going to throw you across mm -hmm, the yard. Mm -hmm. That'll teach you, Mr. Hammer, I, to never uh, yeah, fall on my yeah, head again. that's absolutely. I've had fence posts <laughs> fall from the eight foot above me. And oh, that's terrible. Hit me in the head. Uh, that's why my hair loss is probably greater than it should be. But no, it uh, what you've been building on uh, in a crisis, in a problem, uh, whatever that may be, will show up. And yeah, and that's uh, what this is doing. It's revealing. Yes, it's revealing. Are you and strong, I, right, in the Lord, or are right. you just floundering? Mm -hmm. And so, when COVID comes, or snowstorm in Texas comes, or uh, I will say that I think people, even the church, has been unprepared. Oh, for, I totally agree with for, that. For for some of these things that have happened, and they don't know how to respond, um, and and it really has to be where you sit down and you think this thing through. But the key is your faith, and I think it's uh, very clear in the Bible. Uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the faith is the victory that overcomes. 
And the real thing that we really seek for is to be an overcomer, being able to get over the hurdles. And some of the hurdles people come, get into are tremendous. Uh, the giants are big uh, and troublesome, and some people don't survive them very, very good. But with God's help, with God's foundation, with doing the uh, coming to Christ, knowing that you belong to him, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. There is a big gulf, and we man cannot get to God by himself. He'll break the Ten Commandments. Christ has paid that price. He's the bridge across that gulf span. And he, through his death, his burial, his resurrection, if I believe in my heart that God has done that, he's paid the price, he has allowed me to be... Uh, uh, enter into the heaven justified before God the Father through what he's done. You see, it's a gift, and you just receive that gift, not by knowledge, but by heart. And some people will miss heaven by, well, they'll miss heaven by 18 inches. That's the difference between your brain and your heart. And so it has to be uh, a heartfelt decision and acceptance of Christ and a willing to turn away from those uh, nasty uh, things that has uh, captured you in the past. And so we, we all fight that and we need that answer. But anyway. Uh, so let me ask you this. What would you tell people that are struggling with fear and anxiety and uncertainty and feeling out of control? Well, I think the first thing I do uh, is shut off the wrong voices. From what you hear, uh, uh, you're going to emotionally respond to that. And I have found in my own life even that emotions... Uh, can lead you to respond, it can cause stress, uh, and it can bring you down to a point where no, you can't live with yourself, let alone anybody else. And see, I believe that's the trouble. That's a good point because I, you know, I see you, or you know, dinking with something. You're always yeah. building on something or working on your leather projects or working with your knife project or tying flies. And mm -hmm. you know, I see you reading mountain man books and. I see you doing all these things, and I'm like, and I'm wondering, like, why? Why are you so into this? The older I get, now I understand because the reality of the world kind of sucks <laughs> and it's terrible. Well, and and yeah. I have to start shutting off the news too because all it does is add more fear and add more anxiety and add more panic to my already completely stuffed brain. And it's just like, you know what? If I stop <laughs> listening to these things and then I focus on something neat like, uh, putting together a little backpacking um, dolly that I'm working on. It takes me away from the craziness of the world that I can't control, that I can't change anyways, and I can actually build something and think about how I'm going to use this in the future. And for a brief moment in time, 
I'm focusing on that and I'm not worried. The world didn't fall apart. I'm doing something. Nothing changed, but I created something and it helps me uh, to keep a balance. Well, you're. It's st- kind of unplugging, like you're saying, unplugging from the screens, unplugging from the voices. Yeah, yeah. Focus on something else that you enjoy that maybe you can put a little bit of uh, different energy into, like backpacking, whatever. Right. And guess what? The world's going to keep going with or without you. It's the same thing like when right. you pass away. You know, Rush, Rush Limbaugh's voice is gone. And you know what? The world's going to keep going with or without him. Well, the world keeps going. The, the uh, question is, which way is it going? Yeah. And uh, where is it going to end up? Well, I think uh, prophecies pretty well explain that. Matter of fact, a lot of things I read uh, is more accurate uh, than the newspapers and from what I'm hearing. But the first thing I think that you have to do is, is really shut down wrong voices because you don't know if they're lying. You don't know what they're doing. And uh, I have to listen to the right voice. I have to have something going. I have to be thankful. One of, one of the key things is, is hitting the floor in the morning and saying, you know what? That coffee sh- machine down there, mm-hmm. thank God for that coffee machine. <laughs> totally <laughs> and, agree with you. And, and the your, coffee, and your oh, list, it's amazing. Uh, and your list uh, should be growing. You know, that's a great point. Thankfulness <clears throat> starts to throw out the fear and the worry. <clears throat> if you actually start, and I found that to be true, if I say out loud, you know, I go, Kimberly, I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for our boys, and I'm thankful for this house, and I'm thankful that we've got a job right now, and I'm thankful that we can enjoy this food right now, and start saying things you're thankful for, and all of a sudden you feel better. Absolutely. Uh, you're to count your blessings. You're to be thankful. Matter of fact, part of prayer is being thankful before the Lord. Another part of prayer is, uh, well, if you go back to the model prayer, uh, our our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed simply is to make God holy in your life, to make him that special holiness. He's not just the old man upstairs. He's just not a theory. Um, you go back in history, he's not, he's not a theory. He's not. He didn't arrive out of humanism or anything like that. Uh, there's a big difference between faith and religion. And so, oh, I totally you, agree. You, I can't you stand go back religion. That. But um, no, you have to apply and plug in. First of all, plug in the promise. You've got to know some of your scripture. You've got to know the Word of God in its context and in its completeness. People can pick out scriptures, and you know they can say anything that they want to say. But the fact of the matter is claim some promises and there's promises all the way through psalms and promises all the way through the new testament uh the first part of revelation with the seven churches there claim promises be thankful plug them in and the bible does warn you not only to be a hearer of that word but a doer of that word many people can't get it put together uh, simply uh, because they're so busy propping up the old nature instead of searching for that new nature that is in Christ. 
And so uh, do I have all the answers? No, but I believe God has those answers. And, and uh, like I say, pastors have their problems too, but the fact of the matter is there's a certain way that you need to live in order to relieve the stress and, and trust uh, what God's going to do in your life, we turn it over to him. We say, God, here it is. God says, cast every burden upon him, and he means it. Uh, cast their means, just don't give it to him. Slap it up there on his shoulder and, and give him that burden and see what happens. And we've seen amazing things in our church through prayer. Uh, make him holy in your life. Uh, be thankful to him for what you've got. We're, we're a spoiled people in America. We really are a spoiled people. And when something goes haywire or we have to wear a mask or we get a snowstorm in Texas, nobody's prepared for, the water freezes up, can't can't get any water, it's all bottled up in the stores, so forth, these sport people. Yeah, it's scary. But the fact and that, it's happening here <clears throat> in America. It's like you're seeing scenes that you would yeah. never think to see. Only back like in the 1930s during the Great Depression, and now it's starting here. It's, it's a little spooky. Well, I can remember growing up in the 60s, and I was told that through school and parents and everybody, there would we've learned our lesson. There would never, never ever be another depression. There'd never, ever be another problem. But you know what? People... Uh, People don't list, uh, learn from history very well. Mm -hmm. Here's a saying I, I, I give to my congregation often. If you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always, you're going to get what you've always gotten. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, sometimes uh, if you keep doing the same old things over and over again, same old habits, same old circles, sometimes. You need to break out of that and say, God, we need to do this different way. You help me. And so uh, the model prayer is very important. Uh, you know, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And that's another thing in that prayer is the fact that I'm to look for the blessed hope. So I need foundational things. I need to be thankful uh, for my children. I need to be thankful for uh, that very meal. I need to be thankful for my tools, even though my tools are scattered all over the garage. Or every now and then they sabotage you and bonk you on the head. Yeah. And, you know, men need to be thankful for the wives. Uh, they have a responsibility in the home to be thankful for those wives. and. To... Oh, I was thankful for Kimberly today. Yeah. She wasn't too happy with me because you guys are coming to spend the night. And she had to clean the downstairs potty, and I left it a mess. Yeah. Well, we won't go into and, and all that. And she was like, "This is." <laughs> she, she texted me yeah. today. She's like, "This is terrible, Caleb. This is like a truck stop." Right. And I had to thank her today. I said, "Kimberly, I'm thankful for you mm -hmm. for taking care of that, so everything's clean. Thank you." Right. And so there's the other thing. A believer looks for that blessed hope, which is the return of Christ or the appearing of Christ. There's a difference between the coming of Christ, which is uh, over the Mount of Olives for the Jewish people, basically. The appearing of Christ comes in the cloud when he takes home his church. But I uh, call the rapture, by the way. But there is that blessed hope, and we look for that. And you're to have that blessed hope. 
the Bible says in Romans about Abraham, you know, he hoped against hope. And he was uh, approached one day by God and says, you know, it's time that you have a child. And Sarah kind of laughed at that. She's uh-huh. 90 years old and we're past age and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. Never, ever underestimate what God can do. Uh-huh. And I think there is an underestimation, more emphasis put upon the world the world's got to solve my problems. Right. The government's got to solve my problems. Yeah, here's 600 bucks. You're welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of things like that. But the fact of the matter is you and God need to solve your problems. Yep. And God can do it. I, he's done a, amazing work with me. So I should have been killed five times, and I'm still alive. And so it's pretty amazing what God can do. So, uh, and then... The next thing is, you know, you got to forgive people. Uh, You've got to let it go. Uh, what happens if you're bitter, you're revengeful, you're, you're holding this grudge, is you soon become the very thing that you hate. You soon become uh, with no peace. Uh, you are consumed by it. You don't. I know people that don't sleep well at night. They're up at two o'clock in the morning uh, because they have this thing that they're doing. I have somebody in mind right now. I won't say who that is, but they can't sleep. They get up at two, but they're always in a constant battle. Nobody's going to run over me. This person offended me. Um, and uh, I just hate this person, somebody in your family. First and foremost, you got to let it go. You got to forgive them and say, you know what? That blows me away because. You've got to have peace. Yeah, the older I get, the more <clears throat> I realize how quickly life is going. Yeah. And how to spend so much time and energy wrapped up hating somebody or whatever i mean it seems like a tremendous waste of time like man i watched the some of the stuff of rush you know a couple of his last episodes and i it just made me like want to come home and hug my wife and kids and just be happy and hang out with them because somebody you know we're not guaranteed tomorrow well i guess i should tell your audience too caleb before i was a pastor uh, my first profession was uh, schooling in mortuary science and embalming, and uh, went and took uh, California boards, uh, Wyoming boards, national boards. Went to school for uh, uh, two or three years, and, uh, and you took went a, to took San a, Francisco College yeah, too, yeah, didn't you? San Francisco College of Mortuary Science is a little bit different city than it is now, but. Uh, and spent two years in apprenticing. Apprenticing is not a big deal today, but it should be. When an older man or a mentor, uh, one of the things that is very foundational is mentorship. Uh. Men of good quality should mentor their children and, and show that leadership and show them a skill and, and uh, skill in living how to conduct themselves uh, in business and as a father and as a business person. Uh, uh, that is extremely, and I was extremely lucky to be able to have an apprenticeship. But I can tell you right now, 
I have been, uh, I've worked for three coroner's offices in the state of Wyoming. And there have been people that have walked out the door never to come home again. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, ranchers one time, uh, father and son, take off in a Piper Cub to hunt coyotes. And uh, they never showed back up at the appointed time. It was getting late. They sent out a search. They searched all evening and night and finally found them the coming morning. Well, a wing had caught on the ground as they were chasing a coyote and ripped open the gas tank on the on the it was a upper wing flooded the cockpit with gasoline and caught uh father and son on fire oh, and found a bit you, you see uh <clears throat> and those things yeah you can't prepare you can't predict no no you they just were, never know that's terrible uh, people have walked out the door and never come back uh they got dressed they had breakfast everything went on us people need to think wait a minute i need to know for sure and the Bible does say, especially in First John, you can know that you are saved. You can know that you belong to God. And it's really important to take day by day and work out the issues uh, through, uh, through Christ, through uh, plugging in those promises, uh, practicing. If uh, It's like sports. If you want to be really a fantastic ball player or you want to be somebody that uh, goes uh, to the Olympics, these people practice and they feed on the right stuff. They don't eat junk. Uh And I'm afraid today with all the voices and all the technology and all, I see a whole crowd. We were in the Seattle airport over a year ago. Uh, we walked into one of their gates, and there must have been several thousand people sitting there, and every one of them weren't talking to each other. They were all looking at their phone. It's crazy. But there's no We've content. We've turned into but, technology zombies. Right. So there is a fundamental thing going on here that is taking people away uh, from uh, talking to each other. It's disconnecting we, us from reality, right. too. Discon- we are living in a right. virtual reality. Right. And so uh, I think I think it's really important looking at life, looking at what can take place. That I need I need to put things in order. And God, really, we're into a study right now um, in uh, Luke 14, but it uh, talks about um, what's well, the test of discipleship, and it's mostly for the believer in Christ. Uh, but one thing that God requires is the fact that you need to love me more than anything else. Uh-huh. If you love me more than anything else, uh, that's first. In other words, what God is saying, you know, there's an order and a uh, an order to living. I need to put things in order so that I can be blessed. I need to put things in order and right perspective so that I have a purpose and understand that purpose. I need to, if I've got my life in order with, with the Lord and, and, and all your kids are going to see that and your kids learn from you every day, whether you say anything to them because they're watching. And so, uh, there's a profound order 
and a way to go about things that increases the value of life. It doesn't cheapen it, and it gives you a good foundation, and you must plug things in. And God says, you know, I'll bless you. And my burden is light. I'm not going to really put anything heavy on there. I won't put anything more on you than you can handle, is what the Scripture says. And so uh, I have to shut different things down and increase the volume on the truth. I love it. Yeah, you have to have that foundation. And so uh, with everything political, with all this COVID, with everything... Uh, seeing people today. Oh, yeah, it's easy to go down uh, the dark rabbit hole, as it were. It's easy to get caught up in all the right. things and let it spiral you out right. of control. <clears throat> well, there's a, there's a workable hope, and uh, people need hope. Yeah, they do. They, they need to know that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, and that's, uh, what they're not, that's what they're not feeling. Mm-hmm. There's so much uncertainty. They're like, is everything right. going to be okay? I don't know. Right. I don't right. know. So uh, that's what we're looking at today, and I think fear's a big problem. Uh, I think uh, being uh, stressed is a big problem, and I just think that uh, there's a better way. Yeah, I struggle with it too. I'm trying to keep yeah. a good balance, but I like what you said just now because I pictured in my mind like almost a, a life budget. You know, we've got a financial budget where everything's broken down, you know, to prioritize, you know, hey, we need food, that's priority. We need to pay our mortgage, that's priority. I'm going to budget. And anything left over, yeah, we could throw to some stuff. But we need to prioritize a, a life budget. God's mm-hmm. first. He needs to get our first energy. He needs to get our first fruit. My right. wife is second. She needs to get energy. My children are third. They need to get some love and energy. And if I have any more love and energy after that, i maybe give that to a friend if I have a little leftover time <laughs> or whatever. But I have to prioritize what is important in life, right? like a life budget, right? and stick to that like you would stick to your financial budget and be an example of like, hey, if you, if you prioritize and, and budget out your time and you prioritize and budget out your money, you can live fairly, you know, successfully as far as loving who you're supposed to love, loving God, loving your family. Uh, being a good steward of what God's given you. That's what it is. You're not only a good steward of the finances he's given you, you're a good steward of your family or a good steward of what God's given you with a wife and children or whatever. Mm -hmm. Good steward of the time, because time is another thing. Well, it says to redeem the time or that time that's got away from you, you need to to get that back. You need to purchase that back. You need to redeem it, bring it back to you, and make the most of your time. we quit watching a lot of TV, but as you know, and I'm going to use Caleb as an example, as you know, when you were young, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We struggled a lot, but we wanted to go camping. We wanted to do things, and you can't lay down and die. You've, we made candle stoves, and we made backpacks. And Yeah, and we, no offense to you, like I didn't realize it, but we grew up poor. Yeah, we grew up... I, I didn't realize uh, that at the time, because when you're a kid, you're kind of clueless, but... Yeah, when, we, we 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 got by pretty good, but you know we. But did, that we was didn't the amazing the thing that you is that you didn't let finances stop your dreaming, and that's what I respect tremendously about you. Right. Is like, hey, I want to take my kids backpacking. We can't afford backpack frames, right. and we can't afford stuff, so let's build them. 
Let's and build you them. built, you went out and grabbed some scrap pieces of wood and carved them out and made homemade backpack frames. And then right. you had fun with us. You're like, let's paint them and yeah. let's draw pictures on them. And then yeah. you you made a way for your vision to happen without needing money yeah. to make it happen. And, and a lot of people can't do that. And you're like, I'd like a candle stove. Let me build one. I can't yeah. go buy one. Yeah. Let me make it. Oh, and we, that is awesome. But we had a lot of fun with that. And Caleb, we we done things uh, together as a family. I made sure we had our devotions. I made sure we read. I read to you Robinson Crusoe. I'd get you around the fire, and we'd sit and we'd read. Uh, but we spent time together, and we made things. Uh, remember the canoe? It was kind of a scrap project somebody started on, and we... It's a, a, red, yeah, I, a redwood strip canoe. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I didn't think you could build a canoe like that. And <laughs> I remember you, uh, all three of us, uh, my brothers and you, we go down to that uh, propane shop of yours, and you're like, okay, boys, this is going to be an all-nighter. we got to do right. two coats. But if you hang with me and you do this uh, first coat of uh, fiberglass, fiberglass yeah. Well, while that's drying, we'll go get milkshakes. It was like, yeah, milkshakes at like at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, we're drinking milkshakes, yeah. waiting for one layer, wow. and then we go back, and it was like one in the morning. We finished layer two of the fiberglass, and yeah. I just remember that. I do remember that memory. Yeah. That was a cool memory. I was given the scraps of wood, and I was scrap, uh, given some of the forms, and we laid them out on a strong bag build a canoe, but look at how many eight times we've used it. Mm-hmm. We've gone camping. Oh, from when I was a little kid, I still have it, and it's still in we've great shape. Camping. What, I, what I'm really saying is your approach to life and your energy for life, uh, instead of taking the energy and putting it into fear, putting it into hate, putting it into mm-hmm. uh, being depressed, uh, and those things, put your energy into making something happen. You don't have to have a lot of money to make something happen. You know what? That's a great point you're making, Dad, because I feel like a lot of people are told that you are a victim and there's nothing you can do about that. And so you just need to accept that victimhood, whether it's with COVID or whatever it is, you know, racial, you're a victim mm-hmm. and you've been, you know, you have every right to demand stuff or whatever. And this, this mentality of how we're just poor us, poor me, whatever mm-hmm. situation is, but it's like what you're saying, you've got to make something happen. You can't just sit back right. there and be like, poor me, I don't have money, or poor me, I'm this color, or poor me, I'm this way, and I'm just such a victim, and somebody needs to give me these things to make it right. No, that's no. never going to happen. Right. You've got to make your own way, and then you're going to feel better about yourself and better about your family, and you don't let things stop you and don't let things define you. Let you and Christ define you. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't uh, feel sorry for yourself in this world. I saw a vet on TV the other night. He'd lost both of his legs uh, on an IED, blew up or something, you know, and he'd lost both of his legs. But he'd come home and he fought back. Yeah. And, and Well, you could have been and, that the same way, too. You could have been a victim like, hey, I don't make much money. I'd love to take my boys out backpack and do something, but I can't afford to buy anything, so I'll just screw it. I'll just sit at home and drink a beer or whatever and watch TV and not do anything. But you're like, no, we're going to make this happen. We're going to build this. Right. We're going to make a way. Uh, can't afford to buy a canoe, so guess what? We're going to build a canoe. And, <laughs> you know, like we're just going to make 
these things happen. And that I love that about you, Dad. That's awesome. Well, and... Uh, I wish I was more like you in that way. You're very creative, and you, you're a problem solver. You've yeah, always been a great yeah. problem solver. Well, You've thought uh, outside the box, and, and I love that about you. We, uh, the difference between a, a winner and somebody that can't get things put together is the fact that most of the time they feel like they've been victimized. And one of the things I see today is when something happens, it's always somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, of course, I'm old-fashioned. I was raised by the World War II bunch, uh, and they were pretty tough, you know. School teachers and all were usually veterans, World War II bunch. And uh, uh, this thing about, you know, we've got to make everybody a winner and, and all this stuff. Oh, well, that's that's fine. But, you know, uh, one of the things that has to happen is, is you can't feel sorry for yourself. You've got to get up there and have the spirit to slay a giant. And you've got to find a way to slay that giant and and become victorious instead of being a victim. And so it, I think it's we incredible. need that. I think we need yeah. that more than ever. As yeah. a society, I need that. I you know, sometimes I let the things pile on, but there's always a way. Well, and things do pile on people. They've got debt, they've got the family problems, they've got the, it's it's unbelievable what people go through. And uh, we just love them. We pray for them. And uh, more than that, we we put our prayers to legs, too. Yep. And uh, I've even, you know, uh, I'm, I won't go into any, uh, I was about to brag on myself, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, it's really important that you get up, you find something to do, but... Uh, you know, there is, um, uh, what should I say? What, there is a voidness. Uh, uh, if you're doing things without Christ in your life, when I was younger, I didn't know Christ. I spent plenty of time in the Bighorn Mountains with Dad. But for some reason, knowing God, knowing what He created, and how special some of this stuff is, uh, I don't have to go as often, but I enjoy it more deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, God has in seasoned. I can I can have a a nice fine dinner, but if it isn't have a little salt, a little pepper, a little butter, uh, your shrimp's not fried in butter, and your steak hasn't been grilled with all the seasoning. Uh, God has a way of seasoning your life to give it. Uh, more of a sharpness, more of a, more of a taste, and you start to realize how precious things are, uh, even out uh, in the wilderness. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing. But no, uh, not to pound on the nail. Uh, you cannot make yourself a victim. Yep. You just can't do it. Well, yeah. Dad, I want to wrap stuff up. And I just want to tell you, thank you for uh, helping me get this podcast done. You sure you want to wrap it up? I just got started. I know. <laughs> I, I could talk to you forever, like, because I got so many questions. I got to, because I don't know if you listened to podcasts that Dennis and I did two, two podcasts ago, or whatever, where we were talking about 
um, unanswered prayer and why it is like God says, Jesus says, ask these things in my name and I will do them. But then like nothing happens and we've both struggled with that and wondering, okay, well, you said the things that I've done, you'll be able to do greater things. That's what he told his disciples right before he left. He's like, you've seen me do things. Guess what? You guys will do greater things when the Holy Spirit is here. And just ask in my name, it'll happen. And I've asked things and nothing happens. And that's something that I'd love to get your opinion on or maybe well, next time or something like that. But uh, just, just a quick note. Um, God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a timing. Uh, my timing is not his timing. Usually God answers prayer sometimes immediately. But it's like your grandpa, Lyle. We prayed for him for 30 years uh-huh. so that he'd come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. We prayed for him 30 years. We could have given up. God will always answer your prayer. But the Bible says sometimes you ask amiss. In other words, you'll ask for uh, a purple pony, perhaps, but that purple pony may be a stallion, and it may kill you. It may break every bone. God's not going to give you something that will uh, hurt you spiritually, hurt you mentally, or or take away from Him. And so, uh, ask in the proper way. Come boldly before the throne of Christ. The Bible says. Come. But uh, I've prayed for healing for Jonathan, and why would that not be? Why would that not be something that would be glorifying to him or something that would be good? That's where I get confused because I have prayed specific for healing Mm -hmm. for Jonathan, Mm -hmm. and I've asked God to do stuff, and he says, if you're my child, ask in my name, I'll make it happen, Mm -hmm. and and I will answer, I will do it, and nothing. And so I'm like, why wouldn't you want to heal him? Why wouldn't you want to make things right with him? Well, I'm not asking for a purple pony. I'm asking for healing right, for my son. Right. And, and I don't know why God wouldn't and, love to do that. And I, I don't know. I think you and I have talked about that. Jonathan has spina bifida. But God has a specific purpose, uh, I believe, for Jonathan. He's my grandson, and we have prayed for his healing as well. And we've prayed for some help. Uh, as well. Now, God has answered the help thing. There's things that have come into this house to help him yeah, tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. And, that have shown and, up for free, like lifts and stuff like that, which I mean, is incredible. God, and those are super expensive. God doesn't intend for you to carry that burden yeah, without, God's provided without, for him. without his help. But through Jonathan, through these hard things, uh, is this. God is using him and all this hardness that goes on to teach you, the parent, the grandparent, me, faith. He's using him to teach us to trust him all the way through this process, all the way through this storm. God doesn't protect us from the storms. He sent his disciples into the storm. Why? Well, to teach them that he's Lord over all things. He has control over all things. And Jonathan will serve his purpose as God wants him to serve it. But reading, life is short. 
life could be short for Jonathan. It could be short for me. could be short for you. But I'll guarantee you, I know Jonathan knows the Lord. He indicated that he accepted Christ. And I know that God will redeem his body and give him a brand new body one of these days that will be far more glorious than you could than can be done down here. Oh, I'm hoping. So I'm, that's where a lot of my hope lies, that the great Redeemer will redeem the time. Right. Redeem the body, redeem the time lost. and Right. And so uh, to understand that God knows what's going to happen in the future, God knows what this has done for you guys and the fellowship of other people coming on board. Sometimes God allows these things to take place. Why? Well, for the whole love that is projected towards you, his love Others love you. Other people's come, come to your to your bat. So uh, I don't know. It's a tough question, and I don't always have the answer for those things. But I still know God's in charge yeah. and in control. And I do know God will make it right. I do know that He will make it right. And so our hope is, you know, Jonathan's going to have a brand new body, but it could be that this will bring you a crown. It could be, God says, that you have a vested legacy and inheritance in heaven. And what you've got in Jonathan here and how you're going through all this and what you do is creating that vested legacy and the inheritance of, of uh, rewards and crowns, although you know you don't think of that. But there's things that are coming that will warm your heart in Jesus Christ because you have this legacy. But God will not. What's that say? God says, you know what? Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in him because the investment you make in him, in spite, it's harder for you when, when Jonathan is this way for you to invest in right thinking, why would God do it? We get into that what ifs and the why fours. Don't go there. Uh -huh. Because God says that your stewardship to him and your ministry as a father to him, Caleb, the Bible says be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord for the work that you do is not in, underscore this, vain. And I have to have enough faith to believe that that the outcome of this is in God's hands and that God has a blessing for you and Kimberly for being faithful to a son that has spina bifida, can't walk, and, and you're doing your part. But I need through, just like Spafford, he lost his daughters. What a hard thing at sea. Yet... It is well with my soul. And that's the kind of heart and faith that God blesses, not only in short term, but long term. And we have to look at that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's encouraging. I appreciate yeah. that, yeah. Dad. That's, so, I'm uh, still confused by it, but I know, like what you said, God is in mm -hmm. control. And he mm -hmm. does. And I count mm -hmm. on the fact that he has a purpose for this whole thing. 
Jonathan's, it's got a purpose for yeah. Jonathan, purpose for us here. But I know you know she, I'm counting on it. Your boys also are learning from Jonathan to be kind. They know what it is to have somebody that can't walk in their family. They are learning as well. And it's a hard thing. How it come about, I don't know. But it is a hard thing. And I remember when you first came down and talked to me about it, when you found out. Oh, yeah. I took you hunting, actually. And we yeah, went, when we found out uh, we in actually, the womb. We actually went and got a deer and had a, yeah, good, a good time I was shaking together. that day. Yeah. And I <laughs> came yeah. down to your place and like, Dad, I just found out uh, in the womb that my son has got some major yeah. issues. And we well, are like, come on, let's go hunting. It one, was... And uh, we got we called that Jonathan's deer, yeah. And because yeah. you took me up to the mountains, and we walked around and we talked and we yeah. cried and yeah, and got a deer. But you know, it uh, I I can't be discouraged, and I don't want to go to the what ifs. Too many people go to the what ifs, and it just we're not to we're not to do that. Mm-hmm. We're to look forward in a forward process. Matter of fact, the Bible says, without vision, my people perish. If I have the wrong vision, and I have the wrong hope, and I look at the future with dreary, dread, angry, fearful thoughts, God says, that's going to change your life, not in a good way. God says, without vision, my people perish. And pretty soon, what are you living for? Exactly. What are you doing? You just give up. But I know this, Jonathan's, he's been put in your home for a reason. And so that whatever that purpose is, God will bless you and Kimberly, probably more abundant for that than, than us guys that just had normal children. I'm not saying, Caleb, you're normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty abnormal. That's anyway, for sure. uh, I just want to encourage you about that. Oh, I appreciate uh, that, Dad. That's nice. I don't have all the answers, but I know this. I've got to have the right vision and the and the right vision spiritually. And I've got to look for that blessed hope, not only for myself, but Jonathan. Yeah. And yeah. eternity is a long time. Yeah, it is. This life's a short time. And so Yeah, and it's going fast. Yeah. And that's another thing that honestly has helped me because uh when I had Jonathan early on, I was still a fairly young man. He's 12 now, you know, and I'm 40, you know, so I was 28 when I had him and still young and not understanding how quickly time goes. Mm-hmm. And after two years of being angry and struggling and stuff, I realized I surrendered to God about it. And I've got a testimony on the podcast. Um, you can go back and listen to it. But I realized, you know what? Life's short. If if yeah. it, if I, if it's my job to take care of him for this period of time, so be it. Like, cause I don't know how long I'm gonna have him, so it's just like let's just let's just take care of him forever. Because before you know it, either I'm gonna be gone, he's gonna be gone, or we're all gonna be gone. And it's such a short period of time. It's okay to sacrifice for somebody else or to work for somebody else because it's so temporary. This isn't gonna last forever. And eternity is coming, and that's where a lot of my hope lies. Right. Well, and Caleb, I've worked with families that have had beautiful children, beautiful daughters, and then one day they have a car accident. Mm-hmm. That's right. See, you never know. Listen, and, and the damage was done to her head, and she became an invalid. 
And Caleb, we just don't know some of the hard things. I've known a family where I grew up in Basin, Wyoming. I've known a family there that their boy had a bone disease and he tobogganing and hit a rock and just shattered his whole body. And, and the girl I grew up with, she was in my class, was killed in a car accident. And uh, uh, there's stuff going on that we can't really explain. But I know this, God originally did not intend for this stuff to happen. This is not the fruit of light, and it's not the fruit of salt. Something happened, but God can make it with meaning and with purpose. And my job as a steward to him, to the family, to my church is to be found faithful. Mm-hmm. God says, I'll bless that. Yep. And, and that's so, the, that's and the so, thing is you can't turn your back on Christ. You just can't. Things happen to David if you go back in the Bible. Yep. Second Samuel, uh, First Kings, David had some real problems. Uh, with uh, Saul trying to kill him, and then he had problems. But he learned from those storms in his life how to trust and love God. And God blessed not only him, but he blessed the nation. And he blessed his family. And so it's it's just, it's just uh, this life is not easy. Matter of fact, if you're stupid, it's 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 worse. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Caleb, don't give up. And I'd encourage any uh, anybody in your audience tonight, uh, sitting here uh, in our little bunker down here. Yeah. And uh, I'd encourage anybody tonight not to give up, but to say, okay, God. And one of the attributes of God is that He is a revealer. And eventually he will reveal to you the wise. It may be before the throne of God, he'll reveal those things. But he wants you to expect an answer. He wants you to have a spirit of expectation. Things will get straightened out. And so that's one thing uh, that brings peace to me. I am allowed as a believer in Christ to have an expectation of his coming, an expectation that he will answer every prayer. Uh, Some prayers take longer. God has a timing, and he has a purpose. And so we leave those things with him, because humanly speaking, they're out of our control. Exactly. Yeah, we have no control over it. Right. Anyway. Well, that's awesome. I love that. I won't, I won't stop you if you well, want to close down. I love you, Dad. I think I appreciate you doing this. It's super helpful, and I'm I'm thankful for you. I'm glad I didn't have to do a solo cast, and I think Dennis is thankful for that as well. <laughs> and uh, thanks for talking with me. And uh, for people listening out there, um, let let me know what you think. Let me know if you got any questions. Um, if you have any questions for my dad, he's a pastor, just email me at the DCXP at gmail.com, and I'll send those questions to him, and I'll read back his answers. Um, check out our website. Uh, rate us and rank us on iTunes so more people can discover the podcast. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week, probably. Thanks, Dad, for doing this. Love you, son. Love you, too. The DC Experiment.